because we've been growing incrementally. But one of the things that changed was I realized, yeah, we do plumbing, heat and cooling and electrical. Now we've added that and we pump subject things, but I'm in the people business. It's the people building business. And when we hire someone, they become part of our team. And as a leader, it's my responsibility to give them the very best opportunity to be successful ever. And so that's what I work on every day. Running a home service business is hard. So how is it that some people make it look so easy? Well, we'll tell you. This is the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. It's always good to hear the wins that successful contractors have. But have you ever thought that the best advice would be to hear about the speed bumps they encountered, the mistakes they've made along the way? We are going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We want you to be successful and avoid the mistakes others have made. Let's get this party started. Welcome to the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. Now your host, Justin Dees. Welcome to the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Deese. And again, the purpose of this podcast is to help other business owners avoid mistakes that we've all made uh, along our journey. And we really wanna help them learn from things so that you can create a business that serves you instead of you serving it. So today I'm excited to hang out with Keith Jackson and we're gonna talk about how to crush it in the home service business. And so welcome to the show. Keith. Man, Justin, th- thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm pumped up. So I, I feel like you intentionally set your camera up where you did to show off all your Alabama stuff behind there's, you. There's a little bit of Alabama <laughs> stuff in our shop, a lot more at my house, man. <laughs> when you roll with the tide, you're always going to win a bunch of them. I don't know if that's always been true, but that certainly is the case right now. Uh, I lived through the Bear Bryant era as a young child and as a teenager. Then I live through the other long, hard <laughs> drought, okay? That's how you know you're a true fan, right? So I'm sure. I'm an Auburn fan, and of course, my motto is, it's a rebuilding season. Yeah, really. That's always, it's a rebuilding season, rebuilding. So anyways, Keith, welcome. So tell us a little bit about how you got, first of all, what is the name of your company and where are you guys located? Justin, my company's name, Jackson Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, Electric, and Septic Services. Boom. Yeah, boom. That's a lot. It's a mouthful for our CSR to say. Uh, we're, we're located in Decatur, Alabama, which uh, is just right here beside Huntsville. I'll have a fantastic market here. We serve basically three counties, Morgan County that we're in, Madison County, which includes Madison and Huntsville, the Huntsville Metro. And then Limestone County is one of the fastest growing counties, and it's just north of us. It's a fast, probably the fastest growing county in Alabama right now. So that is, it's crazy how much Huntsville is growing. And I, a matter of fact, I just had a meeting with somebody from Amana. The Amana rep was down and we were talking with him. He said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm from Huntsville. I'm like, do you know Keith Jackson? I know Keith Jackson. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, small, small world. So we started talking about Huntsville and Decatur and how mm-hmm. much they've grown. And he said that, I guess he moved there a couple of years ago. And at the time he moved there, it was ranked like the number, like one of the top places in the country to live. It is. It's all kinds of different, whether it's Forbes, whoever. Uh, they, you know, rankings of quality of life, uh, the earning potential, cost of living is, is, is lower than most parts of the country. It's a fantastic area. I couldn't be happier to be here. As a matter of fact, I've been here 62 years. What about that? My whole life right here. 
<laughs> but I'm sure it hadn't changed at all in those 62 years. Oh, my. Has it changed? <laughs> the last 15 has been amazing here. Uh, but actually, the last five to seven, it's just been like it's on rocket fuel here. And it's, of course, Huntsville's the rocket city. I was going to say, it's because the space station's there. Yeah, yeah. It's a, the, yeah, we have a lot of good things uh, going on here. Decatur, the, our hometown here, where we are, it's really expanding. Now, headset. For about 50 years, it hardly grew at all. And now all of a sudden, it's yeah. took out. And uh, we got all kinds of things going on here that are bringing people in and making it more fun to live here, too. Yeah, that's fantastic. And fun fact, one of my favorite barbecue restaurants is right in your backyard, Big Bob Gibson's. Which, it are they back open? Didn't they have a fire or something? Uh, no, they've been open. They had a fire on the one on Danville Road, which was not the original. The one on 6th Avenue that you and Kristen went to with me, it's never yeah. stopped. It's, it's incredible. I'm going to tell you. I, a lot of folks. I know just had was, some. Go ahead. Yeah, we just last year in December when we when Private Equity was looking at our company, when they'd come visit, I carried him on to Bob Gibson's, and that made him want to buy our company. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. awesome. I, yeah. So I do want to touch on what you just said about the private equity, but before we get started, how did you get in the trade? Like, how did your journey in the trades begin? It's been a long one, Justin. My dad. Get this. My dad was a maintenance like mechanic in a local factory, and he had plumbed his own house when he and my mom built a house like in 1952 or 50, some way back there, okay? And so in the 70s, early 1970, our church that we attended was building a new building, and all the guys in the church were donating, and my dad said, oh, I plumbed our house, I guess I can plumb the church. So he headed up the group of volunteers, and they plumbed that church building. It was a two-story. I look back, the church still there. First building he plumbed, two-story with a basement. Anyway, he figured it out. After that, folks started calling and saying, man, I, I, I'm about to build a new house. Will you plumb it for me? He worked for a number of years in the factory and did the plumbing. He called it moonlighting. I was little, 10 little years side old. Hustle. Yeah, big-time side hustle. We plumbed a hotel. Between my junior and senior year, the only hotel at the time in Hartsville, Alabama, with 40 units, we plumbed that thing while he was working, rotating seven-day-week swing shifts. Amazing man. He worked way too many hours, worked way too much, took him away from home. But, man, I was 10 years old when all this started. And all the way through high school, I, I played sports, and everybody's talking about going to college. And my dad said, you can go if you want, but if you'll just listen to me, you can have something pretty good right here. I just got, became a dream of mine was to own my own plumbing company. So at done 24, I, I established Jackson Plumbing Incorporated. That's been, I think, 37 years ago. It's been a while. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you told us about the area you cover. So what size is the company, whether it's trucks or revenue or whatever it is? Uh, just what, I, what size I, is I, it? I can't tell you how many trucks we got, but we're on pace to hit $7.8 million this year in sales right here. Nice. Only, Very cool. And this is so cool. Only eight years ago, we were $1 million in revenue, and we've been at that. We were flat for a number of years. Okay. So let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah. So, so what did you do? to start to move the needle because there's there's a lot of things, but what happened eight years ago that you started to make that shift? It's the coolest thing. I look back and we struggled for so long. It was like being on a treadmill. We would get out of the new construction, do all service and repair. I was part of some trade organizations. The guys around me were doing great. I just continued to I would get out of the truck, go back in the truck, get out of the truck, 
go back in the dark. A lot of guys do this, okay? Mm-hmm. But I was just, finally, I'd had enough. And I kept reading, and, and I finally started to listen to some of the things I'd been hearing. And the big thing I did, Justin, was I went to work on myself. I started doing personal growth and development. And yep. out of that came, this business will never grow any larger than the leader or the leadership's ability, the guys who are, or the guys and girls. So I started studying leadership and I took every kind of, I listened to video podcasts. I watched videos. I joined up with John Maxwell and went to one of his leadership events. I think I saw you there. I did see yep, you there. Yep. We yep. ran into each other. And, and that one event was probably one of the, at that time we already had some momentum going, but that event has in that relationship with the Maxwell team and been a part of mentorship program. It's probably helped me more in my personal journey, which in turn, I don't think you can separate them. Personal growth and mm-hmm. leadership. You can't have leadership if you're not growing. You can't have leadership growth. And no organization will grow if its leaders not grow. But when that mm-hmm. finally, when I finally got that mindset, started work on me and started really value my people and trust them. That was the problem. Mm-hmm. I thought I had to go check on every job. I thought if they were out late. I had to be the last one in. It was nuts. I had to be the first one here. I was just like a slave to this baby. And I didn't like it. Tell you, I didn't like it at all. It was such a grind for so long. And I had some, man, it built up some anger or just all kinds of stuff going on with me. And working on myself, Jim Rohn was the first little thing I did, a 13-week study, how to have your best year ever. I started Very reading. Cool. Think and Grow Rich. I'd read it like in 2010, but I didn't believe it would work. <laughs> I read it in 2015 and it changed my life. Yep. Yeah. Think and Grow Rich. So I have a couple of books that I read every year and that's, that is <laughs> definitely one of them. And Seven Habits of Highly Successful People mm-hmm. is, yep. and How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yep. Those three Those, books I read every year just as a check-in. Exactly. I have my guys now, How to Win Friends and Influence People. The younger guys, after they've been here three months, if they do a book report, now they get their regular evaluation, but if they do a book report on that, and I, I think it's acceptable, I give them a 50 cent raise just for that because I want everybody to experience that book. I think that is a fantastic idea. I'm, that's going to be a write, writing it down for me kind of thing. <laughs> you, you'd be amazed at some of the book reports I get from these guys. It's amazing. It's really good too. Okay. That's fantastic. Because because just like with you as the leader, as a technician, there's a lot of self-working on you have to do, and you're going into Big different time. situations. And unfortunately, a lot of techs tend to not use the windshield time that they have to the best of their ability. So I think you're creating a really good habit mm-hmm. with those guys. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Man, and, that's and cool. Justin, something that really changed the way our business, changed the whole culture here. And about the time I met you and Kristen was all this, I was beginning to really evolve and dig in. And when you guys came by at that time, I think we're that year, we're going from like 1.5 to maybe 1.8 that year, because we've been growing incrementally. And, but one of the things that changed was I realized, yeah, we do plumbing, heat and cooling and electrical. Now we've added that and we pump septic tanks, but I'm in the people business. It's the people building business. Mm-hmm. And when we hire someone, they become part of our team. And as a leader, it's my responsibility to give them the very best opportunity to be successful ever. And so that's what I work on every day. It's been a long time since I used to tape measure and cut some pipe and glued it up or any of that stuff that I used to think I had to be the best at. For years, my name was on the gold board. And I was a top producer in the shop. 
I thought I had to be. Ooh, man. <laughs> I think that's such a, a valuable nugget for really anybody listening, because I think it's very easy when you're a smaller operation and it's you, it's tough to like let stuff go and then to really buy into <laughs> trust, but verify and systems and why they're important and not run the business on feelings, run them on facts. And when you have systems, you can do that. Justin, what's I've really had to work on is getting, uh, taking everything personal. A long time ago, well, before 2016, 15, 16, someone comes in late, I take it personal. Like he just don't care enough about me to show up on time. Now, if there's a problem with him showing up, I go say, man, I know something's going on. There's something I can help you with. A lot of times they'll tell you it's something simple. I have had times where I set, a, set an alarm on my clock to notify me it's time to tell Justin it's time to wake up, call him up, because I get up real early every day. <laughs> right. But those kind of things I would have never did before. But, you know, those kind of things are what it takes sometimes to get someone through a tough time in their life. And once you get them through that, a lot of times you begin to see the very best in them. And I think it creates a couple of things by doing that. One, it shows them that you're aware that there's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I, I see you. I understand you're late. But then what you said is so perfect. How can I help you? Yeah. Because if they are struggling with something now, not only do they know you're aware that they're late or whatever the problem is, but now they know you care. No and doubt. And it's not a, a, you're late, you're suspended, you're whatever. It's mm -hmm. like from a people standpoint and from a, you know, you got to love on your people. You do. And, and if you don't do that, then they're obviously not going to reciprocate. And, and again, I think that's a, a huge part of your growth is just becoming an amazing leader in your organization. I think it's awesome. I'll tell you, I, I share this. I get to share a little bit with chamber events and local civic clubs and stuff. There was a day in the fall of 2015 when um, we were still doing a few track houses. Every now and again, I would jump back into new construction knowing there's no money in it, but that was just my right. makeup, you know? Uh, you got to have that security, and that's what my daddy did. I had a couple. I had three guys on a job. They were roughing in slab, just a regular two, two and a half bath house. I show up on their job, and I trained all three of them. I thought they knew how to plumb a, a house, and they got the drains and vents. It was just totally screwed up. So, being the angry guy that I was, I'd go out there, and I just go off on. I start kicking stuff. My phone rings. I throw my phone. I just embarrass myself really bad. Mm -hmm. And I walked away from there. And actually, I threw my phone in. It hit a building next door and went over the roof over by the next house. That's crazy. I hate to say, share this, but it's true. It happens, okay? So that day, I didn't let them see me trying to sneak around that building. I got my truck, drove down the street a little bit. Then... Got that phone, and uh, that day I went home, and I couldn't sleep. And that next morning, I looked right in that mirror, and I said, you got to do something, man. You either got to get out of this business, or you got to learn how to be a leader. You got to learn how to, you got to go to work on you. You cannot continue at this pace because I was so freaking stressed out. That God, doesn't it, serve anybody. No. I felt like I'd poured my whole life. I'd sacrificed time with my wife and my children for this business, and I felt like nobody else cared. Makes yep. you feel like you're on an island, man, and you got to fight, you think. I'm telling you, once I started working on me, I realized you got to chill. And you got to start valuing your people because they're your greatest asset. And you got to give them yeah. room to mess up. And when they mess up, mm -hmm. you know what? We'll learn from them. 
If they continue to mess up, we got to make a change some way, somehow, something. Maybe they're in the wrong seat on the bus. Yep. But if they make a mistake, it's lack of training. That's on me. 100%. That's on my leadership team. Yep. So now I see it all together differently. If I feel like I'm even stressed a little bit, I take a time out, man. Yeah, that, that's so good. So good. And this is going to tie into this a little bit. But looking back 10, 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, like whenever, what is something that you would have told yourself back then, Keith now to telling Keith back then? What would be some oh, advice? Wow. What I would tell me back then, and gosh, when you say 35, you make me seem really old, Justin. You said 37 years. You've had I, I'm telling you, man, I'm 62, which is cool. I got the best life anybody could ever ask for. I, I promise you, it's incredible. People, family, just great team here. Really gone further than I ever thought we would go in this business. thing I would tell Keith today, if I was, again, back at 24 years old, you cannot perform physical labor and outwork all your competition and charge less than they do and think you're ever going to get ahead. That is solid. You can. The deal is, I was really proud of myself because I was a good plumber. My dad taught me well and I learned well. I was a hard worker because my dad was probably the hardest worker I ever knew, physical labor. My dad actually called guys like me today pencil pushers. Yep. <laughs> Anybody that was an architect or a banker or didn't work in the field or in the trades, and he didn't have animosity towards them. He just, it was like, if you're going to be a man, you got to really work hard. Uh, <laughs> and physical, and long hours. Man, that man worked long hours. So, but the deal is, you got to, more than anything else, value yourself and your time. Mm. Because when you undercharge and stay extra hours out there to try to make up or compensate it, not only you're screwing yourself, you're really robbing yourself of a quality of life. What you're doing out to your family. Hmm. And there's no way you can have good employees if you don't charge enough to reward them. It's just not going to happen. So the price issue was big for me. Huge. And I think there's a lot of contractors that have a difficult time. And I hear it a lot talking with contractors when we talk about pricing. And I don't think that instantly changing your price fixes. We, we talked no. about that with business owners. But don't devalue what you do. If, if you devalue what you do... You're devaluing the trade as a whole. That's right. Exactly. And don't do that. Charge what it is. And listen, for anybody listening, if you're not quite sure how to charge or how to build up a, a profitable price book, reach out to me. My wife is very good at that. She's got easy she's spreadsheets excellent. that you can plug yes. in. And she's actually a sponsor of the show, which is pretty amazing. Hey, I look, we'll just put it out there. As a matter of fact, Kristen is our virtual CFO. Uh, she's yeah. incredible. She's working with me right now. We're going through a transition of bookkeepers. She trained a previous bookkeeper, and now she's working with a new one. Very yeah, cool. She's amazing. She's amazing. If you're like me, reading the financials falls at the bottom of the priority list, unless there is no money in the bank. Then I dig in and get even more frustrated because, let's be honest, I don't even really know what I'm looking for. If this sounds like you, then I'd say it's time for you to get a virtual CFO, and I have just the recommendation for you. Kristen Deese is the virtual CFO of the home service industry. She is an expert in all the numbers and will remove the overwhelm so you can use your numbers as a tool for growth. She'll even train your in-house accounting team because after all, how could you possibly train someone to do something that you don't really know how to do yourself? 
You can find out all about how she can help you take the F word out of your financials by going to thefwordofbusiness.com. Folks, yeah, in, in a trade, something else I would tell everybody, Justin, it's network. Get into Service Nation Alliance, yeah. Next Star, Blue Collar Success Group. Get into some of these things and attend and, man, get to know people. That's how we know Justin and, and Kristen. Yeah. It's been a great relationship for us. So one of the cool things about the trades, I, I think, is there's always people so giving. Oh, yeah. And I know a lot of people are weird about networking with people in their backyard. I, I don't care. I'm like, let's go grab a burger <laughs> because I'd rather the comp like I would rather have good competition than bad competition. But mm -hmm. the nice thing is with these groups, a lot of times you're meeting people that are not in your same market. And it's a little bit easier to be open and honest about challenges and struggles that you have. Again, the whole point of this podcast is really to help people build a business that serves them versus being a slave to it. And it's such a, such a great purpose too, because there is such a good life to be had in the trades. The deal is it comes down to the owners and the operators making good decisions every day to provide that opportunity for each and every team member. I don't even call my employees, their team members, man. It's like a big old huge family. And by the way, we're up to 46 people. I think when y'all visited, we had 12. Uh, yes. Yes. And how long ago has that been? Oh my gosh. Five, six years? Yeah, Maybe I think so. seven? Maybe seven. Maybe. I think it was six. It might, well, yeah. Zach, who's 18 now, he was about 13. I remember. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Now he's 18 and yeah, at boot and camp for the brand. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so exciting watching from a distance, watching him grow up. It's amazing. Yeah. Man. That kid's pretty special. I, I, we've been very <laughs> blessed with the family that we have. No doubt. And same way with us, man. We, we have three of the most awesome daughters that are grown and great, great son-in-law's got six incredible grandchildren. And it's just awesome, man. Our life is good. It's fantastic. And the power of positivity. Believe me. Power of positivity. So. You mentioned something earlier, and I want to talk about it a little bit about the private equity. And obviously that's a big thing in our space right now. And it's a hot button topic. Some people were mm. boo and some people were like, yay. What has been your, what, tell us a little bit about the journey that you've had with that. Here's, it's a great journey, man. This time last year, I'm like, there's no way I've got it. I've got it made. This is good. I don't even have to be at my shop. We're making money. We're adding people. And then my good friend over in Atlanta, in that market over there, gets purchased. He's man, you need to talk to these people. And he's telling me about it. I'm like, golly, I don't know. So eventually I, I let him hook me up with them and I talked to them. And they came by and talked to me and realized that they had some very similar values that I have. The core values that we hold were, were right in line with theirs. And their goal was to keep this Jackson plumbing, heat and cooling, and electric and septic <laughs> all growing and going for years and leave a legacy. They wanted me to stay on board as the president and general manager. We talked. It went from the first time I met them was like last May. And finally, December 16th, uh, we came to terms and we had a closing and a uh, fantastic group of human beings, just great people. Uh, since then, our shop has increased. They said most people go through a little slump after the transition. We purchased in December was the largest sales month we'd ever had. January topped that. They were like, this is amazing. Because usually but with the transition, but there's right. a, I just think it was it's a, a tribute to my incredible people, but them being able to see the overall big picture and the vision that we have for them. Uh, 
how did everybody. your team take that? This is how I process. Of course, we had it during the, during the courting stage, basically, until we got to LOI. We're not out here letting anybody know our client base about get skittish or something. When it came time, and I knew it was time to let everybody know, we just we have weekly meetings, and I just asked them. I just got a big whiteboard in there, and I asked them to, to tell me the things that were, mattered to them about their employment and the opportunities they had and what was big for their career. Benefits, time off being able to have opportunities to make money based on performance, opportunities to grow in the business. These things just all came up. And I said, what about if I told you I'm just about to join forces with someone who's going to give you that? Job security was huge. Plus, not only are they one company at this time, they're we're the 12th one, and they're private equity, and they have a lot of really good investors. Only had a couple of guys that it really struggled with. I went one-on-one meetings with my leadership team, though, before we did that, so they would know. But that, it just, it really, I'm telling you, it was like, oh, wow. And the ones that caught on to it and said, look, man, this opportunity like we could have never had before being a little private company, they have taken off, and they're doing so good. Private equity, the ones I dealt with, awesome. In April? Ace, which is not private equity, Ace Hardware purchased all our 12 companies. It has been a rocket fuel. <laughs> it's amazing. The things that they're affording us now, the, the training they've already got in place, uh, on-site training. They got 3D training for plumbers already developed. Mm-hmm. Our guys are already using 3D headsets and learning how to diagnose water heaters. They're doing that with HVAC. They're doing that with like just so many benefits that they're available, but you, I have to go out as, as an operator and find them. But now we've got them. It's right there. It's amazing. I think when people think about private equity, I think the fear that they have is yet most guys have gone from owner operator for so many years and now they have a job. I work more hours, but it's really fun. It's such a challenge. Yeah. And the results we're getting. I'll just tell you, May was the largest sales month we ever had at Jackson Plumbing Heat and Cooling by 70,000. We had 730,000 in revenue. Nice. Is that not incredible? That's fantastic. It, it was 78% higher than the previous That's big. So now what do you contribute that to? What do you think happened to have that kind of growth? I had got to a point in my life where I was, I won't say I was fat and lazy, but you know, it's kind of like Alabama wins a championship two years in a row. And the next year, the guys, it's a lot harder. They want to rest on what they did last week or last year. I was coasting a little bit. And also, these folks, with you did Kendor Comfort as the first private equity group we were part of. And, and we still are. That's who we are. But it's now it's, we got more backing, more support from Ace. But they, they really encouraged me. And, and Being on a weekly call every week with somebody and having to give my numbers with the other 12 companies, I'm like, y'all not going to be better than me now, man. I'm a competitor. That's awesome. So it stimulated me to get back in here and uh, and to work on my people more and encourage them more and to come up with a better plan. Every day we work on making this place a better place for everybody that works here. And we've made some hires that have been incredible with their help, bringing in, we got an operations manager that is just incredible. First time I've ever had a management leadership team is 18 months ago, I established a leadership team. Before that, everybody just knew their job and did it. You had leaders in the shop, but nobody had a title. 
Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool when you have your team knows what to do, when to do it and how to do it. It certainly can help you all row the boat in the same direction. Oh, it's amazing. And to watch them grow. Good Lord. Just on my leadership team, we've hired before we got purchased and we're still working with a, with a, a local guy who's a great, he teaches leadership. It's called Durban Leadership and he works with every person that we have four guys and one lady who are on our leadership team. He works with them individually for three to four hours every month and then as a group. And he works with me also. He's a coach for me. But as a group, we meet with him for four hours every month. And it has been incredible that the the growth that I've saw. Like Andy Olive's worked with my company for 18 years now. But the last year and a half, he's grown more than he ever had. He was like the yeah. most incredible plumber ever. As far as he's great, he's neat, he's meticulous. Had a hard time teaching anyone or had a hard time allowing anyone that was with him to learn because he did everything kind of like me man i saw that guy grow into a manager like you wouldn't believe his team is growing it's pretty incredible what happens when you give the support to your team that they need and you let them flourish man there's times you can get real surprised at the cool results you get it's amazing because you sit and for years you think oh if you want anything my dad's Favorite saying was, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. You know what? <laughs> that works for some people, but it's always going to limit you. And, and, and mm -hmm. we used to always say, yeah, I'm a self-made man, self-made man that owed the bank a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and now I realize that, no, no one can go at it alone and be as successful as they can if they do it with a team of people and a group that they truly value. And they want to bring them along with them. That's saying it's lonely at the top. The owner, the operator, the, the manager should be at the top alone. He should be bringing everybody up with him or her. I think that's a great way to look at it and think about it. And because you do that, your people see everything you do and don't do. And oh, so, so much. That, that team knows that they love Keith so much that they'll do whatever in order to drive the business. It's a two-way street, though. And here's the thing. I make some mistakes, man. I'm not perfect. The deal is I've learned when I did make one, just admit it, own it in front of the whole group and mm -hmm. say, look, hey, we tried this. It was because of my decision, and it's not working. Actually, we got a bad result. It's on me. Yep. Let's hear what you've got to say to see how we fix it. It's amazing. They are so small. Yeah. They're in it day to day. They're in the field. Exactly. They're in the trenches. They're going to know the knickknack things that need to get done to mm -hmm. improve the business. So from what you said, so here's a question for you. What is something that you duffed, like you just didn't do it right? And looking back at it now, you're like, boy, that sure was super easy had I just done it this way. So much. Funny story. I was part of Contractor 2000 before it was next door. That's a long time ago. My first mentor, who was a great guy, incredible, trying to help me out. He printed me up a price guide after looking at my financials and seeing what I did the year before and looking at my shop. The prices were like twice or three times what I was actually charging. They do a lot of training on how to present options, features, advantages, benefits. And so I'm out there in my truck and the first or second client I go to that says, you're too high, I throw that book aside and I go back to the time and material deal. Mm. That's the dumbest thing I could ever do. 
And actually, my mentor, he kept working with me for about three months. And then one morning, I'd come into my office. And uh, I had a little, just regular phone way back in the day, had an answer machine. And I pushed the button. It's blinking. And he says, oh, by the way, this is so-and-so. I won't give his name. He said, he's the right. problem. Everybody knows him in, in the trades. He said, this is mentoring crap is not working out. You just need to call call up Greg Namie a contractor 2000 to get you a new mentor because I can't take this anymore. <laughs> I was a terrible student, man. <laughs> it's the truth, though. The honest God truth. I, I look back and I thought, man, he's a prick. No, he was trying his best to help me. And I just kept saying, this won't work in Decatur. This won't work in Hartzell. This won't work in Alabama. Guys, if you build value... And you get that. You truly work really hard to give 100% customer satisfaction, and your team believes in it. People will pay. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah, there. And and part of the problem with the price, like when you're talking about the pricing, I think the mistake people make is they want to make the trades a commodity, and it's not mm-hmm. a commodity. It is a it's a skilled trade. They're not paying for time and material because they're paying for the knowledge that you have, the tools, the equipment. To hire good people is expensive. To give them insurance is for you to have insurance. I think that's a really good, really good point. So moving to to wrapping up a little bit. Is there anything else you want to share, Keith? Hey man, I, I tell you, there's so much I could just talk on and on. But you know, we going back to the younger people coming into the trades. If you could find someone, and most all of us, we've said it, are willing to help. We're willing to mentor. We're willing to share. We open our shop up. I'll, I'll, I'll bring the guy right down the street in and show him how we do things. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. So I guess the biggest thing I can share is don't try to do this alone. If actually, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not, but make sure you surround yourself with really good, successful people. Because the five people you hang out with the most is going to be the average of who you are. That's a fact. And 78 years ago, I, I got in, in some civic clubs with some people that were very successful and they came, became some of my very best friends. And they're not in the trades. They're in other industries. They're bankers. They're attorneys. But some are in the trades. They're all kinds of business owners. But I migrated to those folks and I sit and listen. I still learn every day. Don't ever stop learning, man. Keep looking. Keep searching. Keep reaching further. And don't ever say, this is as far as we're going to go. Have a huge vision. And when you get there, Change of this. That is, that's such good advice. Keith, I know you're busy growing your business. So again, thank you for coming and hanging out no, with us thank and you, Justin, sharing man. your story. Yeah. It's always good to to see. Actually, I'm going to be up in Nashville here in a couple of weeks. So we'll have to hook up and get some Man, yeah, you've been barbecue. coming by. We, we got to, if you're driving, man, you're coming right up 65 right yep. by me. Yep. At, matter of fact, I had to come through there a couple weeks ago. I got to see that sweet new Bucky's. Oh, well, man, is that awesome? Hey, look, at, and, and we're going to have our whole family down at the end of July at Navarre Beach right there by you. What? I, I think we're, we'll be really close to you. Okay. That's where Navarre Beach, that's where we are. Yeah. I, I, and I said that wrong. I, we might, uh, what's right there between Destin or right around Pensacola is called something? I think it is Navarre Beach. Probably it? Navarre Beach, yeah. Yeah. Because we, we've rented this big old massive beach house with its own pool, and uh, we're going to have all six grandkids. All the daughters and son-in-laws, and we're going to have a great time. We'll get the boat out and the jet skis. Oh, man, that would be so kids cool. Around. Yeah, that, that's what we need to do. I'm in. Hey, I'm that's, in. I, this call was well worth it for me, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Keith, thank you so much. Hey, thank uh, you. Everybody listening, just make sure that what you do is 
when you learn something, go apply it. If you learn something new and you don't apply it, it's worthless. And if it's exactly. knowledge that you get and then you apply it, it becomes wisdom. And it's such a good thing. And so until next time, make sure that you are going out there and do like Keith, man. Just be positive. So again, <laughs> thank you, Keith. Hey, thank you, Just. You've been listening to the Freedom Blueprint Podcast. Information is useless if not applied. So take what you've learned and go and implement it. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on social media at Freedom Blueprint for Home Services and hit the website at www.freedomblueprintpodcast.com. See you next time.